0: You are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. My name is Lee. If you're a guest with us, welcome. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, we are glad you're here. If this is your first time, first time, long time, uh, good to have you this morning. Good to be back with you. Missed you guys. Uh, Last week we had a a very good vacation and so it was nice just to get away for a little bit and and, uh, go to Florida and we actually swam an ocean where you can see the bottom in your feet. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Like I was kind of tossing up on that. You know, it's nice to know what you're walking into, but then it also kind of spooks you a little bit when something swims by you, you know. So uh, we had a good vacation. Missed you guys, and uh, just glad to be back with you. Love you guys dearly, and uh, just looking forward to seeing all what the fall's going to bring. There's a lot coming up this fall, and so make sure you're. Pay attention to the Facebook page, you know, worship bulletin, all those things coming up. We're just gearing up for a great fall just to continue to see people uh, that we get a chance to love on and to lead to a new life with Christ. So if you've got a Bible with you this morning, let's go to 1 John chapter 5. And uh, so if you've got a Bible in your hand, let's go there. Maybe if you've got a phone you're going to access your Bible app on, now would be the time to close Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and log off of Fortnite and open up your Bible app. So, 1 John chapter 5, um, I know you just stood, but if you don't mind standing again, we're going to read verses 1 through 12, and when we read a a large section of Scripture together, we like to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, because we believe this is God's Word and not our words. John writes in verse 1 of chapter 5, and I'm going to read on down to verse 12, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we are uh, that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God and that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Verse 5 says, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is? Is the Son of God. This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. Verse 7 says, For there are three that testify the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God. Does not have life, Father God, we have sang to you this morning, Lord, we want to sing of that victory, and we want to rest in that blessed assurance of what your word tells us. And so, Lord, even as we just conclude verse 12, to know that whoever has the Son has life, Lord, we thank you for that. We pray for those who do not have the Son, who have yet to place their faith in Christ, Lord, we want them to know this life that we have. And so, Lord, as we move through this passage today, Father, I just pray you will help us to understand it. Uh, We pray for the Holy Spirit to apply it in the many different ways that he might apply it into our lives individually, but to us as a church corporately. And, Father, we recognize your presence is among us, and so we want to honor you uh, when we open up your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. You know, from 1961 to 1998... On ABC on Saturdays, there was a program that some of you are going to remember when I say the name of it, but it was the ABC Wide World of Sports, right? You remember that? Yeah, and, and the purpose of the program was to highlight or kind of spotlight sports that were played around the world that were often not seen or not broadcast here in America. And the intro part of the, of the show said this, spanning the globe... To bring you the constant variety of sport, the thrill of victory, and the agony of defeat, the human drama of athletic competition, this is ABC's wide world of sports. And that phrase, the thrill of victory, or what? The agony of defeat, has just kind of become ingrained within our culture. Let me ask you this. In your Christian life, do you often feel... Victorious or defeated? Yeah, do you say, hey, man, I'm living a life of victory today in Jesus. Or are you like me sometimes and go, man, I feel defeated. I feel like Satan's winning. I feel like sin's got a grip. I feel like I do more wrong than I do right. John here says something in this text. He gives us an identity here that we often forget of who we are. And I want you to notice in verse 4 again what John says. He says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. See, verse 4, John says, As a believer in Jesus Christ, as a follower of Christ, you are an overcomer. All right? And that term overcome, it means to prevail, to have victory. So as believers in Jesus Christ, we are people who prevail. We have victory. You know, and think throughout the Bible, uh, we are given a lot of different names as Christians. Uh, one of them, Christians. We're believers. We're disciples. We're called sheep, soldiers, saints, witnesses. John here says we're overcomers. We have victory over the world. But we always don't feel that way, do we? often feel like on a day-to-day basis, sometimes we experience the agony of defeat. So what is this victorious life John's writing about? How do you and I live out daily what it means to be an overcomer? Well, John's going to say you've got to take three actions, and here they are. You love God, you love others, and you seek to obey his commands. Right? Love God, love others, seek to obey his commands. That's the victorious life. So let's kind of jump back in the text, and we're going to see how John's calling us to live out our victorious life by loving God, loving others, and obeying his commands. First, he wants you to know your identity in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That term, born of God, means to be born again, uh, to be saved, have salvation. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. All right. So he says, notice this very specifically in verse 1. I don't want to skim over this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. See, to say if you believe in Jesus, culturally we now, we need to ask that person, which Jesus do you believe in? Is your Jesus the real Jesus? Is your Jesus the biblical Jesus? See, John has outlined throughout this letter who Jesus is. He says in chapter 1, he's the word of life. Chapter 2, he's our advocate with the Father. Chapter 3, he is God who has come in the flesh. Chapter 3 and 4, he identifies him as the propitiation for our sins. He is identified as God's Son. He is the Savior of the world. So when you come to faith in Christ, you have to come to faith in the biblical Jesus in order to be saved, in order to be an overcomer, in order to be born again. But when you think about that commitment, all right, I'm going to believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. That commitment is more than just words. It's more than just saying, ah, I just believe. And this is a, a serious commitment. This is a commitment. You're saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to follow you with my life. I'm, I'm following you as my Savior and my Lord. Right? A lot of people want Jesus as Savior, but not Lord. It doesn't work that way. Right? You, you've got to give your life over to Christ. You know, July 26, just a few, few days ago, Sandra and I uh, celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary. And so on July 26, 2003, 6.30 in the evening, at Binkley Chapel on Southeastern Baptist Theologicals campus, she showed up. Thank goodness. <laughs> Whew! We had about 300 people at our wedding, and and the aisle to this place was at least twice as long as our sanctuary. And she thinks I'm joking, but I really had people ready to jump out in the aisle in case she turned her, you know, turned around. I I had guards ready to go, you know, because I'm staring at her walking down. I'm thinking, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. It was a long walk, you know, and she had time to change her mind, but thankfully she arrived at the front. And there on our wedding day, we made vows to each other. We said, for better or for worse, for rich or poor, sickness and health. I'm giving my life to you. I, I'm, I'm with you. And she said same thing. I, I'm with you. And you think about that, that vow you make to Jesus. Jesus, I'm following you. I'm believing you. That's a serious vow. You know, when I, I was on Twitter recently and, and there was a hashtag going around called bad marriage vows. Okay, bad marriage vows. I'm going to read a few of them to you. Here's one bad marriage vow. To be clear, if a zombie apocalypse happens, these vows are null and void. Right. Here's another one. Age is just a number, and so is a life insurance policy. Some of you going to need to think about that one. All right, the third one, bad marriage vow. From the first day we met at the family reunion. Oh. <coughs> I knew you were the one. <laughs> oh, if that one didn't get me in trouble, this one will. Last bad marriage vow. I promise I will always love you as long as you do not turn into your mother. Okay. If you have any complaints over that, see Pastor Matt. All right. Free fill to email him those. Sometimes we come to Jesus with a bad vow. Jesus, I will follow you if you do this. Jesus, I'll follow you if you make me happy. Jesus, I'll follow you if I get my way. No, when you come to Christ, you believe in him as the Christ, you're giving your life to him. You're by faith trusting in him for better or for worse, for rich or poor, sickness and health. And so John says here, that your identity is wrapped up in Jesus. You have been born of God and you're an overcomer. So how then does this victorious life start to play out? Now we get into what we're to do. First, we love God. He says there in verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. All right, So been born of him, that's going to mean other Christians. So by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we obey his commandments. For the love of God, this is the love of God, we obey his commands and his commandments are not burdensome. So you see there kind of the three things that are inseparable in the life of a Christian. We love God, we love others, we seek to obey God's commands. And John all throughout the letter shows you that. That the life of a Christian ought to be marked up in those three things. You seek to love God. You seek to love others. You seek to obey his commands. That's victorious living. That's living as an overcomer. See, it's impossible to say, I love God and hate Jesus. It's impossible to say, I love Jesus, but I hate this other person in my life. That's what John's getting at. See, you, you can't come to me and say, you know, Lee, I, I love you. But I hate your boys. If you hate my boys, you don't love me because I love my boys. It's impossible to go to my boys and say, well, I love you, but I, I don't like your dad. Don't, you know, I hate your dad. No, it's impossible. My boys love me. So John's saying, if you say you love God, then you'll love others. You'll, you'll seek to obey his commands. That's victorious living. That's living the life as an overcomer. Because he says, verse 4, this is who we are. Everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. When, when he's talking about the world there, he's, and we've kind of gone over this previously in, in sections of the letter, the world, uh, it means thoughts, ideas, teaching, people that stand opposed to God. That's the world. It's the system that seeks to oppose God and His teaching and the Bible. It's the evil that's out there in our world. John says we're overcomers of that. We have victory over that. Now, I, I don't know about you, but there's times that's hard to see, isn't it? It's, it's hard sometimes for us to look out and, and to say, yeah, the gospel's progressing. <laughs> we're winning, if you will. I mean, you just—you guys heard the news of yesterday of the shooting in El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. Two mass shootings in one day. Close to 30 people have lost their lives combined in those shootings. It's hard at times for us to look out and say, yes, we are overcomers when it looks like evil is winning the day. See, this, this also has to resonate with us. When we see things like the mass shootings, and we see things like this gun violence and the things we saw played out, let me give you just a couple of encouraging tips. First, when those type of things of news breaks, that's not the time, if I would just encourage you, to hop on social media and start the gun debate. Okay? we as Christians weep with those who weep and we mourn with those who mourn and we rejoice with those who rejoice. Is there a time and a place to debate guns and debate all those things? Yes, there is. But when that news breaks, show grace, show mercy, show compassion to people who just showed up to a Walmart to shop and for lives, forever changed their lives that were lost. Secondly, I would say this. Those events always remind us what we do is serious business. You guys know me by now. I can can be pretty goofy. I like to have a good time. Uh, I've learned long in life that we take ourselves way too serious, and we don't take the gospel serious enough. So you got to just get used to my goofiness. I'm not going to take myself very serious, but when it comes time to do the work of Jesus Christ, that's where serious business starts. And if we are going to say, that Jesus Christ changes hearts, changes minds, changes lives, then when things like yesterday happen, that's when we step up and say we have good news. There's someone who changes lives. And we ought to be passionate about that, getting the gospel out as quickly as we can, because what will change culture? Not more laws. It'll be the gospel It'll be Jesus changing lives. Who are the people that have the gospel? Christians. So the more we get it out, the more lives that are changed, the more culture changes around us. Why? Because we're overcomers. We've overcome that individually as believers in Jesus Christ. And so John's saying, live that out. Live that identity out. Love God. Love others. Seek to obey His commands. This morning, let me give you a few more pieces of evidence because I think yesterday reminds us again and again why you ought to believe in Jesus Christ, why you ought to have faith in Christ as the Savior, as the Messiah. And so we pick up in verse 6, and John is going to start showing us some testimony of who Jesus is, this one who has overcome on our behalf that we have victory in. He says in verse 6, this is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the blood, uh, by the water and the blood. This is the spirit, it is the one who testifies because the spirit is truth. For there are three that testify: the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. You know, there was a, an attorney, as a prosecutor in a small town, as the story goes, and, and he was trying a case, and he called an elderly lady to the stand as a witness. And so this lady comes up on the stand. And she sits down. The prosecuting attorney looks at her and says, Ma'am, do you know who I am? And she says, Yes, I know who you are. This a small town. I've known you since you were a child. You're a liar. You're a cheat. And you're the worst attorney I've ever seen. I know exactly who you are. So, you know, the prosecuting attorney is kind of panicking a little bit. And, and just out of panic, he looks over and he says, Well, do you know who this is? He points to the defense attorney. And she says, Yeah, I know who that is. That's Jim. I used to babysit Jim. You know, Jim is lazy, he's a racist, and he's a raging alcoholic. He's the worst attorney we have in this state. His practice is full of cheats. And I mean, the courtroom's just like busting up, laughing at this point. Right? And so, you know, the, the judge is beating his gavel as hard as he can to try to get attention to the courtroom. So everybody kind of quiets down. He calls the attorneys up to the bench, and he he puts his hand on the microphone so nobody else will hear him. He kind of leans down, and he looks at the two attorneys, and he goes, if either one of you ask her if she knows who I am, I'm holding you in contempt of court. (laughs) If you don't mind, I'm going to call four witnesses before us this morning to show you who Jesus Christ is. And these four witnesses are going to show you that Jesus is the one you need in your life to be an overcomer. First, let me call the blood or the water up to the stand. He says in verse 6, this is he who came by water. The water John's referring to there is not the water of his birth. It's not the water from where, you know, when he was on the cross and the Roman soldiers took the spear and, and hit him in the side and water came out. It's not that water. The water John's referring to that testifies that Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah, is the water of his baptism. See, when Jesus was baptized, that was the mark of the public ministry was beginning of Jesus. This was God the Father saying, yes, this is Jesus the Son. I'm I'm well pleased. I want you to listen to him. Uh, Watch these words in Matthew chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17. Look at those together with me on the screen. Oh, that's all right, Hebrews nine. We'll get to that one in a minute. Matthew three, sixteen and seventeen says this. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And when he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice of heaven said, This is my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. And so when he was baptized, God says, look, this is my son. I'm well pleased in him. You need to listen to him. So let me call our next witness up. It's going to be the blood. John says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. The blood there is going to refer to the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. When he died on the cross, he did shed his blood. Now, we know that this blood has saving power. John, when he's writing this and he's talking about water and blood and, and how we arrive at understanding he's talking about baptism and the cross with water and blood is because in this day and time, there was a movement called Gnosticism. And the Gnostic teachers were teaching that when Jesus was born, he was just born an ordinary man. All right, but when Jesus was baptized at his baptism, the heavenly Christ came down and he dwelt in him. But then when Jesus died on the cross and he was dying on the cross, the heavenly Christ left him so that when Jesus died, he just died an ordinary man and his death had no saving power. So John's writing this letter at the time, and when he's talking about water and blood, he's contradicting all that false teaching because we know that the blood of Christ does have saving power. Hebrews 9, verse 22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. John said earlier in the letter, 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So what we would affirm biblically is the blood of Jesus has saving power in our lives. But let me call the third witness up to you. And these witnesses are showing you that Jesus is the Christ. He's the one that gives you the victorious life, the ability to love God and to love others, and to obey his commands. This one is the Spirit. We pick up in verse 6. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree. The Spirit there, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, The Holy Spirit had a job, And his job was to always point people to Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in John 15 and verse 26. He says, but when the helper comes, and he's referring to the Holy Spirit there, with whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of the truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. I love what James Merritt, a pastor, says about that verse. He says, the witness of the Spirit is God's witness to us, in us and through us. Just as the arrow of a compass always points toward the north, the Spirit of God always points to Jesus. You think about that. That's what you and I ought to do. Always point people to Jesus. And we're pointing people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's working in us and through us, and we're partnering Him with that ministry of helping people come to know Christ. But let me call our fourth witness to the stand. That witness is going to be God the Father. He will testify that Jesus the Son is the Messiah. Verse 9, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God's greater, this is the testimony of God he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe has made God a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And the life is in his Son. Verse 12, I love this, is such a simple conclusion. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. John essentially argues from a lesser to a greater. From men to God. John's saying, if you believe me, you all believe God. God's the one that said it. God's the one that said this Jesus is the Savior. This Jesus is the one that gives you eternal life. This Jesus gives you the life of victory as an overcomer that you get to live. But let's think about where you are. Let me think about where I am. You got Monday coming. Whether you want to or not, I know some of you say, well, I just wish there was never a Monday, but guess what? Your Tuesday would be your new Monday. Okay, so just, just get over it, and Monday's coming. You've got an issue in your life, and you have a sin issue. Maybe there's a, just something's going on where you, you say, you know what? I don't feel the thrill of victory. I feel the agony of defeat more often. It's Christ that says these words, though, in John 16, verse 33. He says, these things I say to you so you may have peace. In this world, you may have tribulation." But you can be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The good news is this. When you place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you join in with him as an overcomer. It's Christ who's won the victory. We get to just live out the victory. We don't get to try to win this thing. It's already won. And what Jesus is saying is, yes, in the world, you're still going to have problems. There's still going to be troubles at times. Yes, there's going to be times where you feel the agony of defeat at moments. You gave in to sin. You you said something you shouldn't have said. You did something you shouldn't have done. You didn't love that person right. You had something in your mind, your heart wrong. Yes, that's going to happen. Yes, it will look like at some points evil is winning, but Jesus says, I've won the war. See, when Jesus comes back, it's all over. No more evil, no more sickness, no more pain. And that's why we pray, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen? And so, as you think about this, as you think about your life as a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to understand today what Satan says about you is a lie. You are not who Satan says you are. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are who God says you are. And you are an overcomer. As a believer in Jesus Christ, hell has no dominion over you. Hell is not your eternal resting place as a believer in Jesus Christ. It is heaven. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you have life now and forever with the Father. As a believer in Jesus Christ, Satan does not have power over you. Sin does not have power over you. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you have victory in nothing will separate you from that love that God has for you. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8, 37 and 39. Now in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life Nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The key here is this it's faith in Christ that's the victory. Faith in Christ that's the victory. Because Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us our victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to stand in a moment and sing this. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming love. He loved me ere I knew him. All my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not who Satan says you are. You are who God says you are, an overcomer. Go love God, love others, seek to obey his commands. That's victorious living. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have live groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, go to heightschurch.org.